Hi, my name is Deborah Ogden and I would like to welcome you to this third season of On Brand With. The idea behind this podcast has always been to bring you into my world of personal brand and impact and hopefully bring it to life through the experiences and stories of me and my guests. One of the things I've learned over the years is that we all have a story to tell and over the coming episodes I'll be chatting to some more people that I know and admire and some that I don't know and I'll be asking them to share their stories and how they use their personal brands to really make an impact. We'll be exploring what best practice looks like in the real world. So let's begin. My guest today is Damien Fisher. I was introduced to Damien by a mutual contact and we found a mutual love of football and we are both long-suffering Huddersfield Town fans, although I promise we don't talk about it for too long. Damien is also founder and managing director of Fish Tank Agency, a fully integrated marketing agency who are also recent winners of the Creative Impact Award at the Examiner Business Awards. Um, They're based in Murfield in West Yorkshire in the most fabulous um, building in the middle of the woods. It really is beautiful and we talk about that in our conversation. As always, we cover a wide range of topics and I think our chat will resonate with many of you, whatever your line of business. We talk about brand, we talk about business, work-life balance. And for the first time, Damien shares how a life-threatening heart condition impacted on his life and his approach to business. I hope you enjoy the conversation. So I'm here today with uh, Damien Fisher of Fish Tank and um, I always get in trouble for this, for talking too much football, but da- Damien's another town fan, aren't you, Damien, for your sins? Indeed, ups and downs over the years, but more good than bad. Yeah, <laughs> I've given you the blue microphone in uh, celebration of yeah. town, you see. Well, yeah, so hopefully that's good luck for the rest of the season, hopefully. Do you think we'll make it in the Premier League? Again, who knows? I think um, there's optimism for sure. I think you know we're we're on a good run, so yeah. Cross fingers, whether even if you get the playoffs, I think that'll be a success. To be honest, yeah. Yeah. I think following town is a bit like an analogy for life. Actually, you know, there's never any straightforward path. Is there? It's ups and downs, and you have to take take the rough with the smooth. Yeah, I think think the benefit for me, obviously, I've got three young children, and two of them, the elder ones, are field and football fans. So for me, it's time with the children and. That's, I, that's what I get out of it these days, to be honest. Yeah. Did you yeah. play football? Do you play football? I did, did when I was younger, um, various places. Um, but, did, you know, the, the old school days of football when it was like um, School of Excellence and YTS, things like that, I did a bit at Uddersfield, but nothing major beyond that and just fun with friends and et cetera. Yeah. So, and what about the boys? Are they, do they play? Yeah, they play, yeah. And they're, a good, they're both at different clubs, the two elder ones, um, but they're at good clubs and they enjoy it, they love it, and they have, most importantly, fun, which is... For me, at that age, eight and six, it's. The, and I mean, I coached the eldest, mm. his team with another guy, uh, a friend of mine called Stephen, um, and help out obviously with the middle one if they need like a referee on game day and things like that. So it's nice to be involved, given 
my age now versus how old they are. Yeah. And it keeps me sort of doing things with them, which is nice. How do you go yeah. on with the parents? Because I've got a 14-year-old and I just think the parents on the touchline, it's just another level, isn't it? Yeah, I think what, what from my experience being when younger, I think the game has changed significantly in terms of that. I think, you know, I never really... I was never, never aware of it really when I was a child. But in the instance now, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a small handful of people. It, 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 yeah, And you don't know much about the background or anything like that. But in terms of the clubs that my boys are at and the parents that are within those teams, they're all fabulous and they're all, they're all you know, they're, they're, they club together, they work well together, they've got the club at heart and they want to do things socially, fundraising and even just going to the, you know, the pub, for instance. So... In, in each of the two clubs that I, I'm involved with, they're both fabulous. And, yeah. you know, it's just that like you say, sometimes you do have games where unfortunately things are set out of turn and shouldn't be said. And they lose, I think they lose sight of the fact that it's kids' football. Absolutely. Mm, it is, is kids' football. And, uh, you know, my son's 14 now, and some of the lads are a decent level and they're starting to be picked up. But I think the most difficult thing in football is that. I was talking to somebody the other day who was saying that their son's at the Manchester United Academy in the same year group as uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's son. And, you know, saying that the chances of him making it are are very, very slim, but they're just hoping that the fact that he's been at the United Academy, that somebody else might pick him up. But I think, you know, every, well, not every little, every boy, but my 14-year-old, I think, still hopes he'll be Arsenal's right-back one day. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's managing expectations. And I think that's what, where the problem starts with parents, to be fair. I think they're, they're just trying to recruit them far too young these days, in my opinion. I mean, I don't think, you know, some of us would think differently. But, you know, they get to, they get picked up now at eight and they can't play for the grassroots with their friends. They are then on that journey and that pathway, which ultimately may not be successful, which isn't great for the child. But, you know, I can see parents' perspective. Mine are on that. So I don't see it from that side, but I see it from a grassroots perspective and the fact that these guys, these kids go to school together, they have fun together, they play together, you know, playing football together inherently. In my instance, when I've played, I've grown the business of Fish Tank. A lot of my contacts have been driven by it through football, for instance. Yeah, yeah. That's it. It's so much more than the game on the field, isn't it? It's, it's learning. I mean, we were talking before we turned the mic on about being able to communicate and can come on to that, working with, you know, having a young team and how lockdown has impacted that. But, you know, the, the learning to communicate on the on the field. And one of the things that my husband always says is, you're too quiet, you know, you need to be talking to each other. Yeah. And again, I just think sport is such a great analogy for, for business, for life, that when things go wrong in a business, when things go wrong, it tends to be about communication. And on the field, it's about having the leaders yeah. and having a team spirit. And you can't have the one that's selfish, although you probably need a selfish striker every now and again, <laughs> yeah. but in football. But, um, you know, I think there are so many lessons that young people can learn from sport. Yeah, foundations and personal development. It's not about the game. You know, we, we, we as coaches, we have a, you know, we've been given a sort of a remit of, you know, we're looking to develop them as children as well as actually playing a game that they all love. You know, actually, coincidentally, we are in a bit at the moment going through a phase of that where they're all quite quiet and we're trying to integrate them to sort of making like, you know, maybe one of them a captain for the day, yeah. for the game, so that they have to take responsibility and communicate with one another. So, yeah, I mean, you're right in what you're saying. We're looking at the communication skills, not just how they can play the game. You know, I think so it's... It's fun. It's fun. You know, as a parent and as a coach, it's a challenge, but one that 
we, you know, I personally enjoy. Yeah. yeah. So on to business then. So Fish Tank, 15 years, is it? Yeah, in November. So technically, we, we view it as a start of the, uh, the calendar year, but we started in um, November 2007. So we're approaching 15 years at the end of this year. So it's been, yeah, it's been a, a roller coaster, but a good one. Um, <laughs> highs and lows. Well, Where are you at the moment on the roller coaster? Uh, yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, last given what's happened with COVID, obviously we're on a, a moment on a curve, which is a steep one, but upwards. So, you know, in the instance, I would have to say, yeah, we're in a good place and a high, but obviously that does still come with challenges. Yeah, it goes without saying. Yeah. yeah. So you were saying again before we came on mic that you've you've had to employ a lot more staff during COVID because of you know. Everybody wants online. Everybody's got a digital offering now, haven't they? Yeah, I think the landscape's definitely changed over the last two years. You know, COVID obviously is a, you know, for everyone concerned, has been a, a dreadful thing in various sectors and health and things like that, etc. As we all know. But from obviously, we're fortunate we're in, this, in this space. Obviously, we're an integrated agency, so fundamentally, our you know foundation has been in creative development, um, digital marketing, things those those things. They're all in the, you know the digital landscape, so. I think from what's been seems to be apparent that the high street is suffering, everyone is sort of transferring over to the, you know, online stages now. Probably some were ready for it, some are already in it. Yeah. And some have realised that we have to change quickly or the you know, their business way of working to try and, you know, so they don't fall behind ultimately. And in turn obviously that's created a, a pipeline of work and and we've obviously scaled quite heavily in that from literally, I think, from nine to 18 in the space of two years. So with an integrated agency, just for those people that wouldn't know, so that covers everything, does it, from brand to websites? Yeah, so the three pillars, I would say, obviously, is the marketing, creative and development. You know, I think, you know, you can break that down a lot further. I mean, you know, I, I do pride myself on the fact since we started in 2007, stroke eight, um, you know, the product is it's important, the final product, a polished result, you know, one that can drive results. I think that's always been the premise of the company, but I think what's happened with scale is, and what is, from my perspective, looking at the business from the top level, is that everyone's involved ultimately. Everyone's got a, a variety of skill sets, um, from starting with the account managers through to then obviously the creative team, then obviously the development, i.e. of a platform, for instance, in, in a scenario like that, but then would then be passed on to the digital marketing team to make sure that then it's results driven. So I think what I, with, with that, I take great part of that it's not like a scenario whereby one person or two people just working on it and that's it and away we go. I think, you know, and the fact that we also have retainers since we began the company, I think that is also a credit to the company knowing that we're still valued for those core values. Yeah, and you're building relationships with yeah. long-term clients. And so, yeah, and the, and then the good thing is that the, the relationships are with the companies. You know, mm. people, you know, in, in that time, people have come and gone, and we're still working with the same company. Right. So, you know, often with change, people have contacts, understandably yeah. so. I think, um, but to, you know, to, to still retain, you know, three or four of our core customers, and that whoever comes in, that this is our agency, this is who we use, the year on year pushes forward. I think that's a credit to, you know, one, the brand, and two, the people that work within the business. 
Yeah, and I suppose I've not thought about this before, but we were introduced via uh, Katrina Cliff, uh, Wild PR, that were KC Comms, and I know, you know, you were part of that um, rebrand for them. But the one thing that when I'm talking about personal brand is that it's not just the Instagram feed and your social media. It goes a lot deeper. It's about your values. It's about your purpose. It's about what the business is about. Uh, sorry, it's about what the person's about. And the same with brands. So I suppose you're having to get to know the businesses and your clients yeah. right the way through to be able to do a rebrand. Yeah, it's the culture as well, and understand how they work as well. I think that's important and getting underneath the skin. I think, you know, I think in a single instance of a, uh, an end product, that's not really working with them. You know, what, what's the end result there? You know, I think what, what has been apparent over the years now and where we seem to be on a journey with a company, and we're looking at them holistically from top to bottom, internally, externally, how they put, you know, they're marketing themselves, how they project themselves within their their sector specifically. You know, looking at their, you know, the, it can be something quite detailed, something expansive. It can be the CRM, it can be the website, it can be the brand, you know, all these things. You know, I think, um, I mean, you highlight Katrina there. And Katrina and I obviously um, came across one another throughout COVID, strangely enough, actually pitching for a client um, but the the avenue that we were obviously down, we're looking at the brand and the perception of the brand and the platform and how it worked. Whereas digital, uh, where in the instance of Katrina, they were looking at her in terms of PR mm. and the marketing, but they're after alongside those avenues. And actually in this instance, Katrina was successful, which I thought was a nice thing. I thought, mm. well, you know, what is it they've done differently to us? And it's something we don't do. So mm. I basically boldly ran Cat, got chatting, got on really well. Um, quite similar in the way that we work and how mm. we both run our own companies. And then since then, we've forged this partnership whereby obviously, you know, we've looked at their website, we've done their brand, we've got them on a, on a journey that they want to be on. And in return, you know, where a company like ours, where I think we lose sight is we're great at doing the job, we're not great at promoting the company. Yeah. So for me, I feel like, you know, we're, we're perfectly succinct and Kat's doing a fabulous job in terms of marketing fish tank and letting people know about what the good things that we are doing. And in turn, you know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, there's, there's always two companies working on one particular client, for instance, can do a lot about do better things than maybe just one. Yeah. And, you know, you've got talented people in both companies with varied skill sets. That can only help a, a company, in my, in my opinion. Oh, I totally agree. And it took me a long time to realise that thing. Um, I, I was, funnily enough, I was a guest on a podcast um, earlier this week and uh, we were talking about collaboration. And collaboration for me was one of the hardest things for me to learn because I can be a bit of a control freak and a bit of a, I mean, I've said on this podcast before, I've had counselling for perfectionism. So, you know, I like things yeah. absolutely spot on. And therefore working with somebody else, I found really quite difficult difficult and um and we were saying that collaboration isn't always about delivering something together but it's just about working with other people and tapping into their skills and whereas i've never wanted to employ a team as such i have you know a a group of people around me that i call my personal board of directors a group of people around me that make me stronger because I can, yeah. they support me and I learn from them and they challenge me. So I think that collaboration with other people that have other skills is really quite powerful. I think the methodology is not unknown. I think, you mm. know, in, in the North versus South divide, I think it's a cultural thing in the sense that, you know, agencies are side by side in London. Yeah. It's just the way, it's, you know, it's a busy environment. It's driven by locality and, you know, predominantly, but 
agency sit by side by side and work together. You know, it could be a branding company with a web, uh, you know, a digital agency, work side by side, collaborating, working on a premium brand successfully. It's been around for years that, but the, the culture of the North, I think, which is, has changed over the years, don't get me wrong, but it's like, you know, it's just us, it's us versus them. Yeah. Now, I think, you know, what I, definitely from the, my eyes and within Fish Tank, you know, I, we, you know, we have got our foundations and that's what we're strong at. You know, for instance, I would never, you know, we use third parties, for instance, in terms of photography, PR in terms of obviously wild, companies like that, working together, those things, and then in result, you get, you know, the perfect solution. I think for me, you know, trying to do all those things in-house, yeah. and, you know, being in, you know, the old sort of cliche of Jack of all trades, master of none, you know, I mean, yeah. it just didn't appeal to me. I think, you know, we've got three core skill sets that fundamentally have driven the business up to this point in 15 years. Yeah. And it's you know, and it with growth and success. So why change that? You know, you've got yeah. to evolve. You've got you've got to try and deliver new so new solutions that keep clients interested and help them grow. Mm. It shouldn't, but it's not the top top line foundations of the company if that makes. Yeah, that yeah, sense. yeah. It is. It's that. Um, it's sticking to your lane and knowing what you're good at and knowing what your strengths are. And and the other thing. I truly believe it's being known for that. So what is it that, you know, there are so many agencies out there, but, you know, why would they come to Fish Tank? Why would they go to Wild? You know, and knowing yeah. what what your shop window is, I tend to call it. But then it, it's recognising that there's enough for everybody. So I'm a big believer in abundance. There's enough out there for all of us. Yeah, agreed. But also it's who... You know, we're, we're sat here now. It's who are the people that building that network of people. And then if you know what you're good at, people know who to refer to. You know what will be a good fit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the other thing I just wanted to touch on. So you've said about, you know, that London agency and, and city agencies we talked about. But we're sat here in this beautiful old mill and we're surrounded by fields <laughs> and that. So so what was the decision? We're in Murfield in West Yorkshire. What was the decision to uh, move here? I mean, don't get me wrong. I've got three young children, um, three, six and eight. And the localities, um, I live, I've lived local. So in terms of before COVID and obviously the ability to be able to sort of do, th you know, if it's a school run, for instance, or anything like that, or a, kid, a child's hobby after school, the flexibility of being local made, made, a mm -hmm. um, made a big difference. But obviously I'm aware of the area and the surrounding area um, and, and, it, and it's rural qualities. I think for me, you know, this, I, find, I, I personally think, again, it's subjective, but the city centre agencies, they are... Um, they're quite on top of one another, um, albeit they look fantastic inside. I think just from a natural perspective, I just don't, you know, I just think you lose something there with that. And I'm thinking in the instance of where we are at the moment, I think the staff would echo this as well is, you know, we're in an old mill that's got free parking. It's 10 minutes from the main transition that, you know, that can get two and a half hours to King's Cross or the M62 corridor, Manchester to Leeds. You've got a beautiful woodland in full bloom in the summer, um, which again, to walk around the woodland, it's a 30 minute walk, which gives them a nice break, time, escapism. And there's just a lot of natural light. And I think, you know, I think all those things are conducive to creativity and output and, you know, mental well being, all those things that are prevalent within sort of agency life. Mm. So, you know, there's, there's, it's a double, you know, it's a two sided coin. You know, there's benefits of that, but equally, people want that. Maybe the younger generation, and understandably so, they prefer maybe a, a city centre to some degree because. They can 
of the life you can give them. Um, We've all, I did the Manchester <laughs> scene when I was younger, so I'm not sure Murfield would have had quite the pull, so it's difficult, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but, but in the new world and hybrid working, things like that, you know, yeah. it's not a problem anymore now. So yeah. I think for me, actually, it's advantageous, actually, you, can, you know, if you live in that city centre life, but you've got the escapism actually via work, I think it gives us an, actually gives us, um, puts us in a better position, actually, when recruiting talent, actually. In my, in, again, this is subjective, I accept, but... You know, I know a lot of neighbouring agencies within the region, and um, and you know they've equally have that sort of mentality and thought process, and they've they've flourished on the back of it as well. Oh, and well, I mean, again, you know, it's something that um, comes up many times, but well-being. I mean, I'm older than you, but well-being wasn't considered no, no. when I, you know, I was working till ten o'clock at night sometimes, and. And yes, I was enjoying it and I had no family commitments and I was traveling and it was all wonderful. But it was also when I reflect back, because that's what was expected and there was no consideration of well-being. Um, and I do think the younger generation, certainly my younger clients, well-being is absolutely massive to them. So it's that, as you say, it's that balance, isn't it, of being able to go out into Leeds or London or Manchester and have yeah, a, yeah. an ease up. I don't think they call it knees up. That just shows my <laughs> age, doesn't it? Yeah, but um, but then also to have that well-being and and be able to get outside and have a break. It's it's that real balance. Yeah, it's, it's the world that we're in now. I think you know, not, not, just not necessarily our sector. That you know, every company now has an obligation to make sure obviously employees' well-being. Like say, so you know, I'm of the generation like yourself, whereby obviously the long days and you're starting. You know, very early and finishing very, very late. You know, that was just the thing. This is how it was done to develop your skills. And you didn't want to be the first one out of the door, no, did you? No, no. And it was like, Absolutely. you know, you were aware of it as well, you know, yeah. like that. I mean, it was very much, you know, a different way of working, um, rightly or wrongly. But in the, the, you know, but if you're looking at productivity and well being is good and culturally it's good, the agency is good, then the output should be good. So, yeah. you know, just a different way of life. It's just the way it is now, you know. But, you know, I think, I'm a firm believer. I think happy employees leads to success. So, you know, we do try and, albeit, I, I still class myself, albeit there's 18 of us, a small agency, but I feel it's important that, you know, I would never want us to become a full working remote. I know some agencies have gone down that road, albeit I accept the hybrid scenario. And I think it's, a, and, I, and I like the balance of that actually. But I think it's important these people spend time together and the bond with each other and the forged friendships and things like that. I think, you know, I, I have no problem being at home and getting their head down and completing a project, but actually that time they can be together. Yeah, because we are, we are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, we are team as, as a being. We need to be around other people, don't we? And I think that's one of the hardest things that COVID has or one of the hard things that COVID has, has brought in is that um, isolation for some people. And whereas people may have found it difficult to get out, even now, it, it's even harder now that they've had to stay, you know, and, and I think you said this earlier, you know, the working, sleeping, in in their bedrooms and and then yeah. you need that interaction yeah. with other people and also you learn from other people yeah, you people learn from people colleagues. inspire people don't they yeah exactly. and i think you know i mean a great example for, for us would be the creative team i mean there's four of them but they all do something differently and very very well now they share that knowledge with one another together and the, the output's fantastic mm -hmm. now that you know i'm sure 
I'm convinced that it wouldn't be the same if they were all working at home full time. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't still be good, obviously, but I just don't see the benefit. In, again, this is, I recognise that this is subjective, but in my opinion, to sort of, you need that escapism. If you were to live at your own house and work from house full time, at what point, you know, he's going to, I think mentally would that would affect them over a period of time. Well, it'd affect them, but also you never have anybody challenge your ideas either, do yeah, you? Yeah. And, you know, like I say, I can be a bit of a, there's my way and the wrong way. And actually collaborating and working with other people and some, you know, me being more curious and saying, oh, maybe there is another way of doing this. Or have you thought about doing it like this? Or seeing somebody else doing things, that's a really good idea. But general chit-chat, things like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, two of the girls in the office are getting married this year and the, next, and the following year. So, you know, it's... You know, and they're excited, understandably so. Um, obviously, they don't want to come back in twenty years. <laughs> but, um, but I would say, like, you know, they, they, you know, they talk about it a lot and things like that. And the other guys are interested. You know, that you know, it's nice. It's nice. But that those conversations wouldn't take place. Yeah. You know, probably in a group instance anyway. Working from home, you know, I think you know, it's not all just about the work, but again, it's that forging them bonds. You know, I think, and I think that which really would make a company successful. One of the things I talk a lot about is is that connection and trust, and often in business, it, the the warm side, that chit chat, that small talk. Yeah. It's what builds the trust because that's where we're building connection as people, isn't yeah. it? And yes, you want to be seen as credible and good at your job and, and delivering an excellent, uh, polished, professional product and an outcome. But actually, it's about those relationships and the longevity of the relationships. And that that's built on warmth and trust, whether that's yeah. internal or external. 100%. Yeah, I agree with that massively. I think... Um... And I think, you know, in terms of our growth and recruitment, you know, I do echo those sentiments in, you know, whether, you know, generally these days I'm not involved heavily with that, but if it's a senior member to join the team, obviously I would be involved and I do echo those points. I think, um, but the the heads of the company, they know when they're recruiting that, you know, these are things that should be talked about, you know, not just, you know, rightly so, the skill sets, how, you know, their pathways, what's their vision for their career and their future, can we, can we support that? But equally, can, you know, what do we do? You know, do we socialise or do we do things? Something as basic as that, you know, or, you know, they've, they've got the start of a running club on a Tuesday night between them and stuff like that. Great. You know, and they're all different levels and things like that. But it's the fact that they're doing it together. And, you know, it's, they don't have to do it every week, but they do it and they're making, you know, and they're enjoying themselves. So, you know, good for them. And if they're happy, they'll stay, won't they? Because you make those connections and then hopefully people build a network within and, and then people stay as yeah, well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And, you know, from my perspective, also, I'm always looking to try and retain the best people. I mean, yeah. you want that, don't you? I think, um, and, and hopefully they'll stay as long as you can possibly, as, possible, as, lo as long as possible, which is always a challenge for various reasons. But, um, you know, but, the, the, but, that, but that, you stand a better chance with a good, an agency of a good culture. Yeah. In my opinion. And one of the things that I know um, we, were, we said we'd have a chat about, but, you know, that trust and uh, during um, lockdown, I know you are somebody who likes things just right, but as a leader, how have you found that from 
stepping back and then or or the balance of micromanaging and and I know something you know from a health point of view happened to you during lockdown that you've had to step back but how have you managed that so to somebody who is like attention to detail and likes things to be done a certain way and you only have to walk through the offices I should take a picture actually if I may and I'll put it on social media when they um when this goes live they're just fabulous fabulous offices but you can tell the attention to detail so somebody like you as a leader how how do you sort of let go of that and, and build that trust to not micromanage people? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's a great point you touched on, actually. It's not some, something I've shared publicly, really, in the social media, but I think this is probably the best time to do it, actually. Yeah. I think, you know, running any company, you're going to make mistakes. I think, you know, one of, one of my failings, albeit it could be deemed as one of the successes as well, is, you know, micromanaging pr- pretty much every product that goes out of, the business, whatever that may be, you know, with scale, it's just not humanly possible to do that. Mm. And in actual fact, you've got a team of really talented people of mixed experience that are more than capable. And actually, they're going to grow and blossom and go on to good things, given the opportunity. Now, I have been guilty, you know, I would say I, as, a, as a mistake, probably, that um, in the time of growth of the fish tank, that I have just been holding the hands far too long, mm. ultimately. Now, that could have been the case ongoing. You know, I didn't see that as a problem. Um, but I've, I've, I was, at birth, I was diagnosed with an aortic valve disorder. Um, so I knew at some point in my life I would need heart surgery. Um, so basically, at the beginning of 2021, I was obviously I have a year, I have scans at the, via the NHS, which obviously, you know, been amazing through COVID, obviously, as we all know. Um, and the valve had deteriorated more rapidly, more um, quicker than it had been over the years. And you wouldn't have known that, would you not, if you hadn't had no, no, the scan? No, no, perfectly fine. I was probably the best condition in terms of fitness I've been my whole life, genuinely. I think I've um, looked after myself, uh, frequently did 10Ks, um, gym three times a week. Um, you know, no instances of any, knowing any problem whatsoever. So, which is, again, in, in my favour, that, that mm. you know, that was a positive, obviously, before the operation. To cut a long story short, obviously, several scans, the got to the point beginning of the summer in June time that you know how fortunate enough I had private healthcare that the the um the operation needed to take place quite instantly to the point of, I think within three weeks from speaking Gosh. to the surgeon. So obviously a family of three young children, boys, and then obviously a business which I've micromanaged for fifteen you know, fourteen years at that point. You know, I think, you know, a shock to the system naturally the family was the priority mm. um and getting everything in, uh, ducks aligned. Albeit it was low risk, there still was a risk. It's still heart surgery. I think you know, I made aware of that. But I wasn't a good, like you say, what I probably need to share is that the, the, stand, you know, the chance of success was always going to be a good one. Yeah. Um, but it's still going to take me out of the business for at least three months. From a mindset point of view, though, that must have really been hard to deal with because you've got that health side of it. So you've got that natural fear. Yeah, uh, and then I, you've got your family, and then you've got a business as well. There's... Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I'm a traditional Yorkshireman. <laughs> you know, I'm proud. Don't, if I'm not well, I, I, would, I would say that I don't like to show it. Yeah. Um, you know, probably stubborn in some ways, which is a trait of a Yorkshireman. I, everyone's aware of all this. I think um, I would never think I need help. But, like, in the instance of January, it all came crashing down, thought, you know, at risk. I mean, and the thought that potentially something could go wrong. 
you know, I did actually get actually some clinical help and actually some, you know, speaking like, you know, psychiatrist about having to try and cope with everything that was going on around me whilst I was trying to run a business mm-hmm. and maintain a family and not affecting them and letting the kids enjoy their things, actually taking a positive out of them. And actually a lady I came across, um, a lady called Julia Hayes from Huddersfield, cloud services are called, they were called, um, you know, an elderly lady, mm. not particularly digital overload, overload, which is great for me given that's my day job. Mm. And just, no, I've never met in person because of COVID. And just had a couple of sessions talking it out and stuff like that and actually became a great lifeline during that period and made me look at it at top level, you know, and just, I think another trait of Yorkshire is glass half full. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but from her perspective, she taught me, I think, in, the, in a short space of time before the operation, um, to look at it a different way, that the fact that I was being fixed mm. and the fact that I've got on it, I was of good health. Mm. There was no long-standing issues once it had been sorted, ultimately, mm. and repaired. So, you know, trying to get... Difficult, I accept, but trying to get me to look at it from that, that perspective. Mm. So, that you know, that helped massively. Um, you know, obviously, again, the NHS, you know, it's the same, whether it's private or via the NHS, obviously, I'm very fortunate I could do go private, but it's the same team regardless. Mm-hmm. So, very reassured by, obviously, the surgeon and his team, people in the other communications and follow-ups and things like that. They were fabulous. We've got some of the best heart surgeons yeah, in I mean, the country, haven't we, in Leeds? So. You, know, you know, all superheroes don't wear capes, do they? <laughs> you know, exactly. I think, um, you know, in my eyes, that surgeon's given me a second lease at life, in my opinion. Um, so, I turn grateful for that. I think, and the opportunity to see the children grow up. So, yeah, for that, it's got dragged in. But then what, in terms of the business, um, this is with the time, I have no choice. I have to let them, you know, let them spread the wings and and flourish. You know, then this is the time I had, I had to let release the shackles. There's no way I were ever going to be in communication with anyone. I had to shut down all comms, you know, whether we, you know, teams, you know, Monday, and you'd have to What's tell that? them online. I, that hadn't occurred to me, but you would have to tell them all this online, wouldn't you, the team? Um, we were a phase. I think we had a breaker in between oh, the right. lockdown. Okay. So we were fortunate enough to... But at that time, just dealt with the senior people. The juniors, mm. really, if I'm being respect- respectful, they didn't need to know. You know, yeah. they've got their own pathways. That You know, I built up a, we'd built up a very strong pipeline of work. So mm. I wasn't concerned about that. Everyone's jobs were safe. You know, there was never an issue with that. I think... Um, but it was just, again, me micromanaging people and actually putting trust in people to deliver a good product without and to the standard that we've built over the years knowing that 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 wasn't going not to be the case so you know what actually turned out will be perceived as a bad thing actually turned out to be a positive thing you know in the sense that so we have three months out of the company last summer the business went from strength to strength new business was generated under the brand of Fish Tank and not Damien Fisher which is always a big thing for me and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, um, an aspiration for me long term that I want you know I want the people to I want to back people to invest in Fish Tank and not me and yeah. the, the history that I've had with the company, um, and, you know, and I create every single one of them. You know, they all flourished and that. So the, the challenge then obviously after that three months, the operation was a success. I got my health back, albeit not to the degree of when I went in, which will take time, I accept. Um, but I'm now fully discharged. There's no more checkups, follow-ups, and that. So you know, I'm in a good place. You know, I'm very lucky. I think um, so. The challenge for me back to the business is to fall into bad habits yeah. and doing things I shouldn't be doing. You know, I should be working on the business, not in the business, which I predominantly did before having that sort of sabbatical, if you like. Yeah. I think um, 
So we have had a really busy, we are in, it, notoriously winter is our busiest period as a mm. rule of thumb due to probably our client base. I think um, it is in varied sectors, but with the all seem to do well in that at that time of year. So I came back actually probably the first couple of months in sort of September, October, November, actually doing the things I wanted to do yeah. and taking time out a little bit as well, not being, um, it's gone well. Albeit, I will, you know, hopefully I may last couple of months because of just the volume of work come through the business. I've had to sort of step back in again, but I've got to find a way. Now the challenge for me is to find a way to be able to get back to what we, what I should be doing, which is on the business. Um, yeah. It still happens. So what are the things that you promised yourself when you sat in that hospital, well, when for, you came back? Yeah. What were the things that you were going to do when you came back well, or first, weren't going to do? The, the first one was four day weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's not happened. Um, but the summer's upon us. And I, like I say, we are in a roller environment. Um, I also have, I play golf during the summer period. Not very well, I accept, but I do do it. And I need to make sure that I take that, you know, that day a week really to have some time yeah. to myself and think. And actually, like, some people may say, actually, well, actually, you know, you're taking a day out and not doing anything. Well, actually, the time to reflect, I would do, am, I, am I doing the right things? You know, can I do, could I do things differently? Versus actually, because I'm in the hub of the company, or at the centre point, essentially, I'm just spinning plates quite frequently, which is not, it's just not conducive to growth. Oh, I've, I've spoken to so many leaders about that, that it's that because when you're in it and you're, you're in the crux of it, it's like being in a pressure cooker, isn't it? Yeah. And it's not to step back and reflect. And for me, I run and, and quite often I will listen to a podcast or music, but sometimes I just run and think and, and just process my thoughts. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's something I miss actually. The tick, like, you know, 10K is roughly what, what we're doing, I was doing frequently. And I think I'm building my running back up again, but... Definitely had that value time of just like, you know, a good, you know, a good, you know, 50 minutes of just thinking of, mm. you know, thinking around things and what I traditionally wouldn't do if I was sat in the office. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, so, you know, starting, you know, start the new calendar year, I think, you know, still a big challenge for me is one, try and get down to that four day a week, two, not micromanage people, which have fallen back into a slightly, not not to the degree I was before the operation. Um, Are you aware when you're micromanaging people? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I realise, I think it's, the, the skill is understanding actually, is it right at that time? Yeah. I think yeah. that's the problem. I think, you know, just doing it and because it's autonomous versus actually, there is instances actually where I've, I'm hearing things or I'm seeing things and I don't get involved. I just mm. refuse to get involved. I think it's important that they can work out that decision themselves and try and avoid integra in, you know being part of that process unless I'm re required asked of ultimately yeah. so I'm trying to do that more but you know it's not something you know you can't I think it's not something you can just switch off I think no. yeah you've got to phase it out um but for, for my growth and my development uh, you know running a business you know I still make mistakes I've got to learn, you know, so for me, I've got to learn how to do that. I've got to learn how it's, going to, it's only going to benefit the employees and the company long term. Do they tell you when you're interfering? Yeah, you know, over the years, you know, I've been part of the group. Uh, again, it's subjective is that. And, you know, we, I, I genuinely don't talk to them. Um, I give them, like, say, complete freedom to do yeah. their jobs. I don't like the term boss. It's mm. just not a good one, in my opinion. And I think um, 
So we do have banter, and sometimes I'm quite a lot of the brunt of it, but it's fine. You know, they don't overstep the mark. They understand, you know, and I think it's in that, and that creates a good environment. Mm. I think, um, so they are confident enough to sort of, I think Joe's are a lot, who's been with the company 10 years now, last mm. year. is a real credit to the company and being a big driver of the company. Um, you know, he knows. If I, you know, if it's just, he's got it, he's got it covered, he just doesn't need me. He'll just yeah. look, just leave it. I've got this. You know, I think, um, so, yeah, it's great to have someone like Joe, for instance, I can lean upon him and stuff like that. You know, I, I appreciate, you know, I value his, I value his judgment, his decision making. Um, so, yeah, and, and, you know, he does it in, in the correct fashion, you know, as a professional, albeit like, so we can probably play golf also. You know, we'll be, you know, just be golf clubs just around the corner there. Right. We'll be playing together, I'm sure, quite a bit this year and talking. Maybe business might be a part of the conversations. He's starting his family journey, got a young daughter, and he's got another one on the way. So we've got common ground as well. So it's great. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I hope that they can speak to me um, freely and honestly. You know, I think so. That's the, long may that continue in the right fashion. Yeah, definitely. Were they pleased to have you back, though? You know, to be fair, again, I'm not. Um, I think there's only a couple of times I probably shed tears in my life. Obviously, you know, I had a, probably the birth of my children or your wedding days off in the, those cases. But when I came back the first day, they made a big fuss of me returning to the company. You know, it got a bit overwhelming, to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah, a bit emotional, actually, at the time. I was like, well, you know. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a nice thing to know. It made me realise of what a, a good team of people we have within the company. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that, Damien, because I think sometimes there is this, you know, we laugh about the Yorkshire way and um, but and I know there's a lot more talk about vulnerability and leadership these days, but to openly say how hard it was and I think to, you know, seek out um, support around the mindset type of uh, side of things and dealing with it isn't something that still people openly talk about and... I do think the more we talk about it, the more other people realise it's okay to need that support. Because like we said before, whether whatever it is, we're not experts in everything, are we? And no, if, no, we, if we had something wrong with our, well, our heart, our leg, we'd go to a doctor and, and it's getting the right person to support you at that time, isn't it? Yeah, I just think, you know, again, for me, and again, the wrong reason actually, is the fact that at that time, I thought that the company may suffer by me not being around. Mm. So, and then, the, the, you know, from a client's perspective, the fear of that, where do they stand for those best ones that have been long, long standing clients of Fish Tank? So, that probably that was back of my mind. But actually, looking back at that, I probably would have been better being transparent and just saying, look, I'm going to be out of the company for three months minimum, mm. assuming everything goes well. But rest assured that, you, you know, the people you're working with in day in, day out, nothing, nothing will change. Yeah. You know, I think, but, um, just didn't have the confidence at the time to go down yeah. that road. Yeah, but looking back, I would have done, definitely. Yeah. And one of the things that um, when I'm working with individuals on their, their personal brand, particularly business owners, is that it is difficult because, you know, cliche, people buy people, people buy into people. But actually, it's when you build a company, your values, your way of working the people you surround yourself with tend to be very of a similar ilk, don't they, or complement that. And it can be difficult at times when you're first bringing business in because if you bring the business in, they want to work with Damien because they've got the re 
relationship with you and it's how you then and I know it's something funnily enough Katrina and I have talked about as well it's how you then introduce a member of staff that's going to be working with that client and building their relationship with them yeah I'm aware of that and I think you know when I have made a conscious effort you know new business particularly I I I make a you know I don't attend any meetings now without a a team around me because that's important that if I'm going to if I'm going to make that transfer that shift from Damien Fisher to fish tank, mm. then it then it has to be the people. Yeah, and you they've know, got to trust them. They correct. see you trust them, so yeah. they trust them, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I don't mind the national, national inquiry. And we do, you know, against you know with the client service team, we do obviously spread the inquiries and they leave them to the, you know, we grade them, you know, like you know, in terms of whether you know what, who's the right people for that particular project to yeah. make sure they're the right the right fit. Um, so yeah, this is happening. It's definitely taking place now. You know, and like I said, for the time I was out of the business, new business was generated. You know, and I've not been involved with that from start to finish. Which, from my side of it, take out. You know, it's not about the financial aspect. It's about the fact actually, they, they can do this. You know, they, they can do it. You know, they just needed the opportunity to be able to do it. So what was probably deemed a bad thing actually is a good thing. Yeah. I think again that glass half full. I was going to say that's that glass half full, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and as long may it continue. You know, I think you know, I think you know, it's opened my eyes. You know, and it should have probably been opened a lot sooner actually, but COVID probably may have shackled that out, I suspect, because obviously everyone hit the panic buttons didn't they, when they were in, the, in the beginning and then yeah. nobody... Yeah, we were making decisions in a different, in a survival mode, weren't we? Well, it was the unknown, wasn't it? I think yeah. that you know, nobody yeah. knew did the, what the outcomes would be, so everyone was just, you know, batting down the hatches, if you like, and sort of what, what look at the sort of sustainable longevity of what we can where we're going to be and just get to the certain point you know we're always going to turn a corner at some point to whatever what that would you know but first 12 months you're like right just protect what you've got sort of thing i was listening to somebody um a few months ago now but um a, a social psychologist and she was saying exactly that that you can have, you know, as a as a race, we are programmed to deal with crises and trauma in our lives, but not long long term. And therefore, mm. you know, we can deal with things that happen, but like ill health. But it's been the longevity of it that's the issue, and and that's that constant heightened state of anxiety that not we're not necessarily if you've not been I mean I've been very blessed we've not been impacted from a health point of view in our family my business was initially impacted but I had to adapt and that wonderful word pivot like everybody else has had to do but you know we've come out of it pretty well but there's still that underlying anxiety that everybody has has and that affects the way you make decisions doesn't yeah, I mean, it yeah a lot coming to suffering obviously and unfortunately have no longer you know operating i think you know in the instance where it all changed you know you've worked so at that point you've worked, you know been doing fish tank has been around 13 years but you know we we, we are fortunate that we operate in a, a, a very diverse range of sectors mm-hmm. so that obviously we're always going to be in our favor but you know, one particularly actually, we're quite strong within healthcare. Okay. Not necessarily the NHS, but people supply products, i.e., like face masks, things like that, mm. etc. So, and they were they reacted well with it. So we kept us very busy. Um, but you know, we had a small percentage of the business which was obviously involved in sort of, you know, uh, 
the social side of bars, pubs, you know, um, beer breweries, things like that. So, you know, we have a mutual, you know, we, were, we met at the event at Magic Rock and obviously yeah. how they had to change, um, yeah. you know, to sort of doing home deliveries versus, you know, because the bar, you know, the, essentially the, the hub of, and the driver of the business was no longer open to the public. So, yeah. you know, we, we've seen those customers struggle and not yeah. survive, unfortunately. So, you know, I always knew we were fine. Um, I think the big adjustment for us were always like, you know, it, it is at that point we were in the office Monday to Friday, nine to five. Mm. So I had, you know, for me, there was a change in the company. One working from home full time, and actually then, when people could work back in the office, what what does good look like? Yeah. You know what you know, going, you know, making making sure going around the employees, juniors or seniors makes no difference. But you know, people, you know, but you know, what 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 do you what would be good for you? You know, and to be fair, they all sort of agreed. You know, everyone's in a different place in life. Some with family, some without. Um, but they all wanted that scenario of a hybrid one, you know, working in the office maybe mm. two to three days a week, but maybe put a couple of days at home whereby, you, could, you know, they can cut out the commute, get their head down and do the work. So far, I thought, you know what, let's explore it. Let's give it a go, see how it goes. And it's worked. It has worked. You know, they're embracing it. It works for the company. Brilliant. Mm, good. So... What's what's the future for Fish Tank? Where do you what's your plans? Where do you see it going? Um, well, I think this is back to on the business again for me. I'm just not quite at that stage yet. I mean, I would like you know I'd like to see continued growth. I think um, a big driver for me is always the reputation of the business. I think for me, we're, we're, we're at the Uddersfield Examiner Awards in a couple of weeks' time. We've been on prolific. We've, we won an award last year with prolific, prolific North. It's not so much winning them, but it's the recognition that we know we're doing the right things. I think that's what's really important for. People get across. I think people see it sometimes as a vanity piece, and obviously, then or all the, these events driving income and event. But I, you know, that's fine. You know, that can you know everyone's subjective opinion on that. But in my opinion, for the company, you know, I think it's rewarding for the team to go to these events. I think um, it shows that they're doing the right things. You know, people are familiar with the brand of Fish Tank. They're looking at it objectively and mm. what we're you know putting forward. So for me, just to be a real credible integrated agency and grow the client base and make us more robust and evolve the talent within the company. I think that's always any aspiration for any business owner. I think for me, I wouldn't, you know, and then sort of be, when your peers look at you or your neighboring agencies thinking, you know what, yeah, they're a good company. You know, I'm aware of a lot of good ones, hmm. you know, and how they've started and where they've got to. I mean, I was, when I started simply as a graphic designer, I started my journey with a company called Attic, which I think a lot of people will be familiar with, mm. an Uddersfield company and that's just gone, that went on just to unimaginable results and success. Yeah. Um, and it was always like for any graphic designer in your know, to be involved with some of the company of that, you know, I, did, I was fortunate when I finished uni, I had the opportunity to have a, a year working in the Sydney branch mm. or in Australia whilst traveling, um, which probably started my career. What well, did you take from Attic? What did you learn at Attic that you think thought, when I have my business, I'm going to do that? Well, at that point, I thought, I thought I'm out of my depth. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'm not as good as I thought I was. Because um, there was some serious talent there. I mean, again, you're talking like a big global agency that, you know, mm -hmm. that was the best of the best, you know, like, so you, but for this, you know, I think, well, there, seven to nine months, I can't recall now, a long, long time ago. But what I did realise is, like, you know, I learned so much in a short space of time in terms of just, you know, being a good designer, ultimately, and precious and proud and of detail, you know, like, I mean, you know, you know, something, you know, 
really at that time, obviously, the digital world was evolved just on the just evolving. Mm-hmm. So you know, the attention to detail around typography and things like that, and you know, essential still is part of them today. Um, you know, I spent you know seven years with the company when I returned, and then obviously I started Fish Tank. So I think that's great. You know, I didn't start Fish Tank until I was thirty. Did so, you always know you'd want your own business, though? Not really, no. No, it just, it, it just, it just, the opportunity presented itself. Mm. And, that, and that's the, the reason I, I did it. But I mean, I think getting just fate, fate took its place in that instance at that time. You know, the, the company I was working for just felt like I'd run its, run its course. Um, I didn't feel I could make a difference anymore at that point. The direction of the, the owner at the time was different to what I, at work, my, my skill set. And I think we could be just, you know, sort of couldn't meet in the middle. Mm. So I thought, right, you know, there's only one way around it. I can have a, you know, at that point I didn't have children, which I think is key. I think, um, could I have done it now with the family life I have now? Probably not. Um, I obviously took a gamble. There were no risk at that point, really. You know, I mean, at the start of Fish Tank, obviously, when they with the financial crisis in 2008, which probably not a good thing to do. <laughs> but, um, you know, it worked in my favour to some degree. So... And it just, you know, it's hard to, you can't, it's hard to think that. I think what I've learned is trying to think too far ahead. I think we've all learned that, haven't we, over the last yeah. couple of years. So as and when the day comes that you do decide to sell or what will you be doing? Will you be on a, will you be out in Sydney? Will you be on a desert island? Will you be still in Murfield on the golf course? What will you be doing? Will you still be following town? <laughs> um, well, if I'm in this area, that's for sure. But I think, um, I think my, you know, like I said, what, three boys, eight, six and three. Um, you know, I'm I'm 45 this year. I think for me, you know, they're, they're going to be with me for a long time. And I think while they're of an age where I'm important to them still, and I'm still basically being a taxi for them all. <laughs> I think um, I'm going to be, I'll be just following their footsteps. I think, which I'm happy with that. And obviously, some personal time. Um, Family is obviously massive for you. I mean, I talk about values and. Um, one of the podcasts I was talking on a couple of week, a uh, couple of months ago, I was saying family is one of my big values, and it took me a long time to realise that how important it was, and that actually because it's such a big part of my life, that those are the decisions I I need to make my decisions based on that, and I feel I hear that from you a lot. Yeah, I mean, you know, I my wife and I didn't start family till quite late on, mm. really, to some sort of. You know, in different ways. I think um, so. Rex will be what is it? Nine in September. I've well, been like you know, thirty six when we first had Rex. So it, it, you know, my wife was they had a creative at All Mac Cards uh, at the time. Um, so we're both quite career driven. Yeah. Um, but we both recognise something we're missing. Mm. You know, I think um, like any person who was a parent, you know, the stresses that come along along, along with that, but also the <laughs> The, the, the happiness that can derive from it as well. So I think um, it's that roller coaster again, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it is the one for sure. I think, um, but I think what's different is the priority in my life now. You know, the kids come first. This is like you said, this day off, or if I can get that in, or you know, at the weekends I do play golf, for obviously. But before family, obviously, you know, weekends, you know, evenings, you know, that the kids have got hobbies. Yeah, you know, and they are going out. They can't have them unless I facilitate that. So you know, it's, yeah. it, it has. You know, it has. For my wife and I, we have. It is our priority that they get these experiences in life and find interests that they like and things like that. They want to do. 
don't have to be sport. I'm just saying, I think. Yeah, no. You know, they do a mix. They do. They all both do a very good mix of either, you know, beavers, cubs, you know, swimming, you name gymnastics, it. football, they're all, you know, but they can only do these things, you know, if we can facilitate in terms of travel and things like that. So I think for me, like, you know, they're of an age where they're going to definitely for the next 10, 10 years, they're very reliant on those. Yeah, so and the day they're not, it's hard. I, I must admit, we're at that point now where it's, yeah, mum, it's all right. I'm going off to play field on, you know, football on the field with my mates, and I don't yeah. need you. I hear a lot of this, but I'm thinking back, back at, but from my perspective, I think I can't wait. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh-huh. Oh well, I've really enjoyed the conversation today, Damien, and, and I just want to thank you again for being so open and honest on it because I think a lot of people can. You know, you, as a leader, and and learn from you as you know, running a fabulous agency. But I think you've touched on things there that perhaps we don't always talk about. Um, but actually, we're all people at the end of the day, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we all have sure, our yeah. ups and downs. So I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. No, and from my side, thank you for the opportunity. It's been like a lot of things we spoke about today that I've not actually shared before. So I think a great time to do it, and I appreciate obviously, you know, your, the the chance to do this so thanks again no problem thank you i hope you've enjoyed today's conversation and i'd love you to join in the conversation as well the best way to do that is through social media and i can be found at instagram and twitter at do underscore impact If you'd like to sign up for my newsletter or learn more about my monthly membership, The Impact Club, please visit the website at deborahogden.com. If you've enjoyed this episode of On Brand With, I would so appreciate it if you would rate, review and subscribe to help other people know we exist. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to On Brand With. It was hosted by Deborah Ogden and produced by me, Anthony Short. This has been an A Short Stories production.